Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are ya? Today's Tech Stuff Tidbits is, what's a qubit? Well, he's this little orange guy who jumps up and down a pyramid-like structure while trying to avoid snakes. Uh, he also has a habit of cursing. Wait, sorry, I'm, I'm being told by the... Yeah. Okay, no, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, I got that totally wrong. That's that's Qbert. A qubit is something else entirely. I know. Cringe jokes. Also, uh, originally, I thought maybe I would go a different way with that. And I would talk about qubits being a, a, a unit of measurement used to build arcs in biblical times. But you see that that joke about what a qubit is? Well, it, it, it existed in two states simultaneously. But ultimately, when it came time for me to choose which joke to use, uh, it had to collapse into a single state, which is the Qbert joke. And that whole bit about collapsing into a single state, I can't promise it'll make more sense later, but I can promise we're going to talk about it. All right. So to understand what a qubit is, qubit, by the way, actually stands for quantum bit. Well, it stands to reason that first we have to understand what a bit is. Now, way back in 1948, in the early days of computer science, a man named Claude Shannon published a work titled A Mathematical Theory of Communication. Shannon was mentored by a guy named Vannevar Bush, someone that I, 
I really need to dedicate at least one episode, but probably multiple episodes to at some point. Very important person in tech in general, uh, played a large part in some really historic and sometimes terrible technological events in history. Uh, I have actually dedicated an episode to Claude Shannon in the past. So if you go and do a search in the Tech Stuff archives, you'll find an episode just about him. But anyway, in this work, Shannon proposed a basic unit of information, a binary digit or bit. The bit exists in one of two states. It is either a zero or a one. Shannon's work goes into a lot of other territory with a fascinating treatment on communication theory that fundamentally changed how communication engineers think about the subject, but it gets really technical really quickly. And I honestly would have to study it for days to feel comfortable even talking about it in a way where I didn't feel I was getting it all wrong. So rather than blindly lead you into a discussion that I would likely get completely wrong, we're going to move on to something else that's equally complicated. But for our discussion, the important thing is the bit zero or one. You can think of it as no or yes or off or on. It's as basic as you can get. By grouping bits together, you can express more complex information. So one bit has two states. If you have two bits, you have four states you can express zero, 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 one, one, zero, and one one with three bits. You've got eight possible states, four bits. You've got 16 possible states. By the time you get up to eight bits, it's 256 states. So you see how adding one bit to a string doubles the number of states that string can express compared to when it was one bit fewer. All right. So then we get into an era in which computer scientists start working with this concept in a practical way. And after a while, computer scientists begin to agree on other stuff, like the idea of eight bits representing a byte. This wasn't always the case. There were some who proposed six bits rather than eight, etc. But we're, we're going to skip way ahead and talk about processors for a moment. Processors take data in the form of bits and execute operations on that data to create output, like mathematical operations. And those operations come from a program. The program is really just a set of instructions that the processor is meant to follow while working with this data, and it generates some sort of result. And a lot of factors determine how fast the processor is, like how much data it can process within a given amount of time. Now, generally speaking, the more bits the processor can accept at once and the higher the clock speed of the processor, which really means the number of operational steps the processor can complete in a second. Well, then the more powerful the computer is and the faster it will solve problems to a point. But there are some computational problems that are much harder to solve than others. And even a fast processor can get bogged down by them and it becomes impractical or even impossible to compute that problem. So for example, there's the famous traveling salesman problem, which is a type of NP hard computational problem. The NP stands for non-deterministic polynomial time, but we don't need to really get into all of that. The traveling salesman problem presents a list of cities and it asks the question, what is the shortest route 
starting from the salesman home city to each of these cities and then back to home without visiting a city twice? What's the shortest route that you can take? Well, for a computer to solve that question, it would need to calculate the route using every possible combination. And that route obviously gets more complicated as you add more cities to the list. And a sufficiently large list would keep a computer busy for a really long time, like months or years or decades or centuries, depending on the complexity of the problem. So that's an issue, right? You cannot easily solve this class of computational problems with a classical computer. But what if you could design a computer that could potentially solve this problem in a flash by essentially calculating every route simultaneously? Now we're getting into the possibilities offered up by quantum computing and the qubit. The qubit is a quantum bit, and like a bit, it can have a value of zero or one, though we represent them as ket zero and ket one states. But I'm going to leave it there because describing representation and notation in an audio only podcast is futile. I'd be like, OK, then you have a little squiggly line. None of that would make any sense. So we're going to leave it there for now. But here's the thing. A qubit can also have both values at the same time and technically all values in between and hold those values in superposition until the system collapses and the qubit assumes one or the other states. And which one it assumes is based on probabilities. So it may be that it's a 50-50, which means half the time the qubit would be a zero and half the time the qubit would be a one. It doesn't have to be 50-50, however. So this is one of those weird quantum effects that Schrodinger wanted to poke fun at with his cat thought experiment. See, Early quantum physicists theorized about superposition, that certain quantum stuff can hold multiple states simultaneously until something disturbs them, at which point they collapse into a single state. Schrodinger's absurd example was that of a box containing a kitty cat and then a time release method of making the kitty cat unalive, as you might say on TikTok. But this time release method would be unpredictable. It might trigger five minutes in or it might hold off for hours. So you've got this box. 30 minutes have passed. Is the cat alive or dead? Well, if we were to think of the cat as being in a quantum state, you could argue the cat is both alive and dead at the same time. And it's only when you open the box and observe the system do the possibilities collapse into one reality. And in this reality, we're going to say the kitty cat lives because I have always hated this thought experiment. Schrodinger was trying to say this idea was ridiculous. And of course, on the classical level of cats and cars and cigar boxes and stuff like that, all the stuff we can see and touch and manipulate, it is absurd. But at the quantum level, it holds true. Quantum effects can exist in two states simultaneously. It's wild, but it is true. So if you could harness something that works on the quantum level, like electrons, for example, and you could use some feature of electrons, such as their spin, where they spin up or spin down, you could use that to serve as a qubit. And in a properly isolated system, you could use a bunch of qubits to run algorithms specifically designed for quantum systems. And these qubits, by occupying all states simultaneously, 
could generate all possible outcomes in the time it would take to solve, you know, the hardest one. Another way to think about it is that if you have a byte that is eight bits that are strung together, you can have one of 256 values. If you have eight qubits, then you can have all 256 values at the same time, at least until you measure it, at which point it you know, loses coherence and settles into a single value and becomes one of the 256 possibilities. But while in superposition, it's all of them. However, it gets weirder. And I'll explain after we come back from this quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, what could be weirder than superposition? Well, I haven't talked about entanglement yet. All right, for this explanation, let's imagine that we have two qubits and we'll say our qubits are in the form of electrons and their direction of spin. 
So the electrons can spin either up or down. And let's say I've prepared the qubits so that right now they're both spinning down. And we'll call that the zero state versus the one state for this example. So both qubits are spinning in the zero state, qubit A and qubit B. Now, if I apply an oscillating magnetic field to qubit A, a magnetic field at a frequency proportional to the energy difference between qubit A's zero state and its one state, I can actually rotate qubit A. I can rotate its spin. And the presence of qubit B complicates things a little bit because these two qubits create their own magnetic fields. I have to take into account qubit B's magnetic field as I apply this external magnetic field to rotate qubit A. But I can do that and then move qubit A into superposition. So now qubit A is both zero and one at the same time. All right, now let's move on to qubit B. Now remember, I started with both qubits in the zero state. They're both spinning down. Well, now I apply the magnetic field I would need to use to rotate qubit B if qubit A were still in the zero state. Except qubit A isn't in the zero state anymore. Or rather, it is but it's also in the one state because I've put qubit A into superposition. Well, now when qubit A is in zero, qubit B will rotate to one because of this oscillating field I've put on it. But when qubit A is in the one position, qubit B will stay in the zero state because I would have needed to use a different frequency in my magnetic field to make qubit B rotate if qubit A is in the one state. So qubit B also goes into superposition. If qubit A is zero, then the rotation worked. And if qubit B is one, then the rotation didn't work. But qubit A is technically both. So the rotation both did and didn't work at the same time. The two qubits are entangled and the state of one depends upon the state of the other and they're opposite. Even if we were to separate these two qubits and we were to put them at either end of the universe, they would remain entangled. That is until we observed them or something else disturbed them, at which point we would lose coherence and the state becomes either zero or one. And the state of the other one would be the opposite of the one you observed, even if it's on the other side of the universe. So if you went to one end of the universe and someone went to the other end of the universe with the other one, you've got qubit A, they've got qubit B. You observe qubit A, you see that it's a zero, you know that qubit B was a one. Crazy. Even though they were all the way across the universe from each other. Einstein hated this, by the way. He couldn't get the math to prove that it didn't work, but he hated the idea and he called it spooky action at a distance. In quantum computing, entanglement creates a really counterintuitive opportunity. You can code for two bits that have unknown but opposite states. Like, you don't know if qubit A is a zero or a one, but you do know that whatever it is, qubit B is the opposite. And that might not sound useful at the surface level, but it opens up opportunities that simply aren't possible with classic computers. So, for a subset of computational problems, the ones that are really hard for classic computers, a quantum computer with sufficient qubits and the right algorithm, you need both, can turn what would be a massive challenge into a metaphorical piece of cake. Now, for other computational problems, a quantum computer would be no better than a classic computer. And depending on the number of qubits the quantum computer has at its disposal, it might be equivalent to a really, really bad classical computer. 
The thing is, some interesting and potentially dangerous problems might be simple for a quantum computer to unravel, problems like classic encryption techniques. So a typical approach to encryption involves using mathematical operations and a really large number to scramble a message. Only someone with the proper key can reverse this process to get the unscrambled message. And to guess the value of the key that unscrambles everything would take a really, really long time. How long depends upon the strength of the encryption. But if we're talking like military grade, you could be there forever. But with a quantum computer that has a lot of qubits and the right algorithm, you could potentially solve for the encryption key in just a few minutes. This is why quantum computers could spell the end of our current methods of encryption. A person with access to a sufficiently powerful quantum computer and that pesky algorithm would then hold the skeleton keys that fit all the digital encryption locks that are out there, which is kind of spooky. And for that reason, researchers are working on quantum encryption methods that can stand up to quantum computers that, you know, uses a different approach to scramble those messages so that they stay safe from all but the intended recipient. Also, I started talking about Claude Shannon as the guy who popularized the term bits, although Shannon himself gave credit to John Tukey, whom Shannon said used the term bits in a memo. But Shannon's is the first earliest, you know, published work to use the term bits. But who coined qubit? Well, that would be Benjamin Schumacher, who submitted an article titled Quantum Coding in 1993 to Physical Review. The article actually published in 1995. Schumacher is a theoretical physicist. By that, I mean he's a real physicist. He's not theoretical. But he works in theoretical fields, including quantum information theory. He did for quantum information theory what Shannon did for communications theory, with about half a century separating the two, which is pretty darn cool. And so that's the basics on qubits. And if you were to come up to me and say, do you understand this? Do you understand why it happens? I would honestly tell you no. But then when we get down to quantum effects, that's just the truthful answer for everybody. We can say that it definitely happens, that we have the experimentational evidence to show that this does happen. Why it happens that's a question that we're still trying to answer, and maybe we'll never come up with it. But it's really cool to look into it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a game of Qbert to get back to. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.